So we've talked to many banks. They got to understand the difference between this and a, and a consumer app. That's an education right there. From a marketing standpoint, the digital ability to onboard somebody quickly is makes or breaks this type of product. You're listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insights series, where James Robert Lay interviews the industry's top marketing, sales, and fintech leaders, sharing practical wisdom to exponentially elevate you and your team. Let's get into the show. Greetings and hello. I am James Robert Lay, and welcome to episode 259 of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series, and I'm excited to welcome Joe Earhart to the show. Joe is the founder and CEO at Teslar Software, and today I'm looking forward to talking with Joe about the massive growth opportunities for financial brands, especially for community financial brands, to create and capture by simply transforming their past perspectives about indirect lending. Welcome to the show, Joe. It is good to share time with you today, buddy. Thanks, James. Appreciate it, man. Before we get into talking about future growth opportunities for financial brands through indirect lending, I always like to start off on a positive note. What's been going well for you personally or professionally? It's your pick to get started. For me, just we were very blessed last year uh, as a company, personally, and we got to spend this year picking up the pieces of kind of chaos from last year that was great you know, kind of breathe a sigh of relief. And so to me personally, uh, slowing down a little bit, enjoying the moment has been a great thing of, of 2022. And it's also helps that COVID is kind of not, not in the mix as much. Absolutely. And I think, you know, when you come out of running hard, you come out of running fast, it can feel like a bit of chaos. But one of the very first steps that, you know, is needed to get to that next level of growth, whether it be personal growth, professional growth, is just calm things down. Um, and then when you calm things down, that's where you gain clarity. That's where you begin to see new opportunities. And this is where, you know, the, the subject of indirect lending comes into play because indirect lending, it's always been a bit of a tricky perspective for financial brands, especially community financial brands who have typically have shied away from thinking about offering indirect lending as a, as a growth channel. Why, why is this? What, what have yeah, they been so, avoiding? Yeah, so I think there's a couple of things. First, we've got to redefine, too, what indirect always looks like. So everyone knows what an indirect loan is technically, right? It's where another party is gathering the data, essentially doing the loan, sending it back to you. Everyone thinks car loans. <clears throat> so that's the first thing that you got to think about is everyone does auto, 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 maybe boat, motor, trailer. Uh, but what about a lot of other items that I want to get into that are more impactful, more important to the consumer that honestly, in my opinion, I'll, I'll kind of describe more as we get into it. The community bank could solve a need there. And, you know, honestly, we probably are going to rename the product from indirect to what we call community lending uh, or something else. Because indirect has such a negative yes. vibe on it. We're not trying to solve uh, auto lending. What we're trying to solve is think about, you know, yourself, right? You're, you're a father of four, Let's say tomorrow, all of a sudden, you know, one of your kids needs braces or they need something that's going to cost two, three, four, five, six thousand $6,000. You need a new HVAC. You need new tires in your car. Right. These are things for most Americans, even if they had the money in their bank account yeah. and they could write a check, they would be financially smarter 
to borrow the money so they have a savings account. But the problem is most of the ways to get that money today is through like a Wells Fargo credit card, a synchrony credit card, 24% interest rate, 25 year free laws. When down the street is a community bank that could lend a much better rate, non non daily compounding. It's a simple, you know, simple straight loan. It'd be a much better product, but the community banks don't know how to do it. Yes. And that to us is what, when we say indirect lending, we're talking about how can we interject the community bank at the HVAC facility and say, you have a better product. You know, as you're talking through this, you're really hitting close to home. I know we both have four kids, as we were talking about before we hit record. You mentioned braces. That conversation is now coming up in the lay household, and I'm not really feeling it right now, but I agree with you. You know, when words have power and indirect lending has that negative connotation back to your point. And if you think about transforming that, I think you use you frame this community lending as as you're talking through, I almost think that this is, you know, lending for when life happens. Your AC unit goes out, your HVAC unit goes out. Lending when life happens, we've got that. We've got you covered and you know, a lot of this comes back to the point of past perceptions and financial brands, I do believe, are, are letting those limitations, really the beliefs rooted in the past, they're costing them hundreds of millions of dollars in loans and even deposits. And that's where partnering with local businesses, uh, back to your point, to offer financing to customers for, we'll call them the, these more of like medium-sized purchases, lifestyle purchases, Banks, financial brands can extend their present even that much further into the community and drive more loans, drive more deposits back to the institution. What What's your take on this? What are the opportunities here? Yeah, so the, the way we kind of stumbled into is a, a twofold. One, I personally uh, was trying to get a loan for a pool. Now, that's a that's a bonus thing in life. That's a benefit. But I needed, you know, right before, and this happened right before the pandemic, so I had good timing. Perfect timing. One week before COVID hit, actually, the pool got finished. And realistically, there was not a lot of options for lending. That pool's a more complicated loan. But, you know, it got us to thinking about how, how do people borrow? There's buy now, pay now later, right? That's like mm-hmm. $1,000, $2,000 smart loans. But what about those bigger ones where you need to borrow the money? But yep. boy, it, it's dominated by high rate cards. And so we were thinking, then we thought to ourselves, wait a minute, who banks all these HVAC companies, these funeral homes, the jewelry stores, the medical offices? Well, community banks do. Yeah. So when the community bank can lend and, and help the, them borrow money, but they fail to let the, the consumer of that business borrow from them. They let those funds go outside of the, the state, outside of the community. Yep. And so we looked at it and said, hey, why don't we go to our banks who are already banking these HVAC companies and say, listen, it's kind of indirect, which is why I think we were going to change the name to community lending. And we're going to say, you can offer this HVAC company a lending solution. You can put in only the products that you're going to lend for. You can make it super simple. They don't have to get rid of high risk lending. Maybe Wells Fargo is a good fit for those that don't have good credit source. But if they would, if you, they could come into your office today and you would write them a loan, why can't you do it remotely from the HVAC company or from the person's house, mobile friendly, let the HVAC person fill out an invoice? Right. Uh, why can't you do that? And then last but not least, a lot of banks will say, well, Joe, the reason we couldn't do that is it costs so much to book one of these loans. Yep. I said, listen, we process Tesla, we process 20 plus percent of all the PPP loans in the nation last year. Efficiency is our name. And I said, that's what we're going to give to you. We're going to give you a, a tool that can allow you to process these cost effectively. 
but that doesn't mean they're credit riding. And that's one thing we have to teach the banks. Like your credit standards don't have to decrease. Yeah. yeah. Um, and everyone, in my opinion, everyone wins. The, the, the HVAC company's happy because they give a better solution when it made sense. The consumer is now banking with a local bank that's down the street. Mm-hmm. They've got a better product, even at today's rate of 12 to 13% compared to a usury capped credit card. If the state has a usury limit of 20, 25%, it's all around a better product. And it's even more important as people's savings accounts are getting smaller. And of course, rates are ri- rising. Yes. So. Well, I think, you know, it's such a tremendous opportunity is education here to provide clarity for community financial brands that this is even a possibility because, once again, perceptions are rooted in the past. And as you look ahead towards the future, you use the key word efficiency. This is a capability upgrade. And that's where, you know, things like digitization and automation can positively impact the community lending process here. Dollars stay local. They don't go out of state. Um, They don't go out of even the local community for that matter. What do you see as an opportunity to provide education, not just to community financial brands into the opportunity, but I think for community financial brands to then educate their community, whether that be small to mid-sized businesses offering some of these mid-sized loan products, back to your point, like a pool, for example, and then for them to help also communicate people in the community that this is a viable path forward to you know get what they need when they need it, when it matters most, i.e. braces in my particular case here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that the first struggle that we're going to face, is, as you mentioned, is this is an education, educational sell that we'll have to go into community banks and say, you've got you've to gotta lose some of your negativity, right? Because so many community banks today, if they want to say relevant, they believe their only path to success is commercial lending, mm-hmm. uh, CRE. And we're going to say, wait, you're dropping the consumers. These are a great, great asset. Yeah. Um, we've got to first educate them that there's a way to do it efficient, efficiently and without the losses. Secondly, once they understand the product, they then, to your point, have to educate the business. So take an HVAC company. They have to say, okay, I know maybe you get a $300 kickback on the other credit person, but your customer, to really treat your customer right, you just want to put the HVAC in. But one of these is 24% if they can pay it off in six months, but they probably can't. Yep. It's going to be 24% after that compounding daily. It's going to be horrible financially. This is a better product. Give them both though, because some may not qualify for the other. It hurts you. It does nothing but help you because you're better serving your customer yes. for their financial health. And so it's, it's going to end up being a multi-part education. You're going to educate the bank that this is good for your community. You've got to educate the business to say, this is good for your consumer. Um, and we're not the first one to see this, right? I mean, Wells Fargo and Synchrony that grant their credit cards, they know this market, they know it's a great market. But even like a Cross River Bank where they're lending USA, yep. they're targeting, now they're targeting to be national. Yes. Our challenge is where we're trying to go at it is to say, we are a provider for you, the bank, yes. to target your community. Digital growth is a journey from good to great. But sometimes this journey can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming. The good news is you don't have to take this journey alone because now you can join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs who are all learning, collaborating, and growing together. Visit digitalgrowth.com insider to learn more about how you can join the Digital Growth Insider community to maximize your future digital growth potential. Now, 
back to the show. I'm going to take it this even further um, yeah. because we're, we're, we're talking about staying local. And yeah. if you're a community financial brand, opening up digital advertising, digital marketing potential. So, for example, when someone is searching for local swimming pool company, well, you can serve up ads to get the financing to get the pool regardless of who you go through there. So there's that type of a play back to the point of yep. like jewelry. It's, it's really like lifestyle lending, but it's, it's, it's keeping it at that local community perspective. And then, you know, education, I think education is going to be key, you know, in all of these different areas, whether that be, you know, with the financial brand, but I, I, I too think the financial brand, if I think about the SMB relationship, they can go in and coach these small businesses on how to offer lending and offer maybe one, two, three different paths forward for consumers. That gives people choices and options. And, you know, what we have found over the years is when you give people two or three possible paths, it increases the likelihood of a sell because it gives that consumer a sense of control and agency. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% following you here. What are the dangers? What are the roadblocks that could hold a financial brand back from going down this path? Is it only, you know, perceptions rooted in the past or are there other things that we need to consider as possible challenges that need to be overcome in the present moment to reach this this future state? Well, I think one of it is people don't understand the user experience back to your digital growth part. So one of the challenges that we hear from banks already is like, hey, I have a consumer app. It's like, whoa, 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 back up. If somebody <laughs> is, and they've had a death in the family and they're at a funeral, they go in and they're at the funeral home. The only thing in our solution that that person needs to tell us is if they're not comfortable giving their information to the funeral home, we will send them a link. They fill out their personal information. We'll keep it separate from the funeral home, but the funeral home takes care of everything else. Yeah. Now the, that's a massive difference between a consumer app where I'm going out of my way, I'm applying for generic credit. So the very first thing that we have to do that's a roadblock to us as banks is to, realize, is to explain to them, if you're just making a consumer app, you're a failure at this. It's mm -hmm. not going to work. We want to make it like almost, I mean, though no one likes the car buying experience sometimes. Typically, you fill out a little bit and they run it to the 30 banks. Now, the rest of the process is a, is a mess. But this is the same thing here is we want to have it a tandem entry yes. where the, the partner is filling out everything they need. You're just filling out your personal information and we're keeping that separate so that you don't have to worry, does the funeral home have my social security number? No, they don't. Right. Your bank does. And so one of the key things we did in PVP we're doing here is making it so that each site, even though they only run five a month, maybe it's five a year, we spin up a separate instance, we call it. Mm -hmm. And you use a technical or you know, there's a lot of things that actually makes this work. But it, one that's branded for this funeral home. Yes. And if a bank banged five of them, they've got five different instances. It has five different products, five different questionnaires. What is their agreement? You know, that's a key thing to us to make it customized, but at the same time, feel personalized to the business. Co-branded experience, I think, is a better way to think about this. And it allows, once again, back to your point of what you mentioned before, this is the efficiency and this is the ability to scale that. So it, once again, it creates a new business development opportunity locally to either establish deepen and expand relationships with these local businesses. And, and it's almost like a triple bottom line. Consumers win, these small businesses wins, and the, and the bank wins as well, right? 
Absolutely. And I think you've got a great point there. One of the biggest challenges, though, hands down, is letting banks know that the, the, the end user is the ultimate decision maker. If you make it challenging at all, yeah. they will go somewhere else. And so we've talked to many banks. Like, I don't understand the difference between this and a, and a consumer app. I was like, well, that's got to be where you got to be. That's an education right there. Back to you. From a marketing standpoint, obviously, digital growth, you know, this, the digital ability to onboard somebody quickly is makes or breaks this type of product. That's right. And I will tell you, because we conduct so many digital secret shopping studies for financial brands, there have been instances, there's that word again, in the past six months um, where we have looked at the quote unquote, indirect or consumer lending opportunity for a few key financial brands that are already thinking about this. And actually, these are community brands that are taking a more national perspective with niche lending opportunities, almost like a dealer direct uh, point yeah. of view. And there was one brand that we benchmarked this this client against, this, this community institution against another national lender. And what we found is that this national lender was you know someone would start the application they would abandon the application this one national lender followed up 15 times in 30 days with what we would typically call a sales qualified prospect uh, because they showed intent to get a loan but they didn't complete the application i think that's another huge massive opportunity back to your point if you add any friction into the process if we can build in the the capability to follow up where there's a higher propensity for conversion and ultimately helping people to achieve whatever that end state is to solve the problems that they have in the present moment to provide them with a path forward to get to that bigger, better, brighter future. What's your take on that? Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. I mean, anytime you have friction, it makes a challenge, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and of course, what's the number one friction point in any online application? It's 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 KYC, the yep. customer. Yep. So, you know, that's another thing where the community dealing with their businesses, that's a first hurdle that passes. But those are things we're looking at, everything from Trulio, Alloy, different ways we can pass that. But, yeah, I mean, one of the biggest challenges is, okay, why did they stop? You know, all back to the conversion rate. Where did they drop out? Where's our bounce rate? Where did What was our conversion rate at the end? And, of course, to your point, what do you do when it happens? Mm -hmm. And so not only is it in my plan, you know, do we need to – I like your idea of follow-up. 15 times. That seems like a lot, but a nice drip campaign. Yes. But also why did you drop out? What yes. did we do wrong? What did we work hard? Yeah. yeah. And I think the other opportunity that this opens up and I appreciate you, you know, collaborating, almost kind of co-creating on the fly with this is onboarding. This pro provides a, a very unique opportunity because a lot of times we, in financial services, we think onboarding is just a new deposit or a new checking account. Well, this is a completely different onboarding experience that could be unique to each particular product line, which then would allow for, you know, deepen the relationship, share of wallet play, et cetera. Um, and, the, you know, this can automation, efficiency, et cetera. The capability, I, I would say, wasn't even there 10 years ago. Now it's here. Now it's real. Now it's time to scale. As, as we start to wrap up here, you know, you started your journey. And I think this is really important because this is really good context. If you think about where you've been personally, you started your journey as a teller at Arvis Bank. Um, and you were working on on the amazing sharp machines back then. Uh, and, and now you've been leading um, uh, Tesla uh, since 2008. 
if, if you think about this experience and, and the potential growth opportunity from where you started to what you're seeing today, what are you feeling most hopeful, excited, and energized about? Well, I think there's, I think there's, so first off, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the opposite, answer the opposite and say, what am I most worried about? As a person who serves community banks, worked in community banks, I'm worried that community banks could get replaced. So I spent all my career working on commercial real estate lending solutions, which is what Tesla bread and butter is, because that's where those banks thrive and live. Right. But I know for a fact, if I've learned one thing through life, diversification is critical. Yeah. Right. And, and I think community banks have dropped the consumer side. They have become way too automated, too much of just an algorithm go in and only if it's super simple and it costs too much money. And so where I'm most excited about is after PPP, I think community banks have realized that digitization works, Yes, that they can do a high volume of it. They can trust it, everything. I mean, we did everything from getting the promissory note signed to moving the money, to boarding the account. And so now taking that the next step forward, even in commercial lending, we do that today, but take it even to consumer to say, hey, we can do that same thing and we can do it safely mm-hmm. without increasing the bank's risk dramatically. Um, I think that's what's most exciting to me because I want community banks to you know, survive. And honestly, if they don't take care of consumers, I, I don't think they will. I appreciate that perspective. It's why you do what you do. It's why I do what I do because I think community institutions are the backbone um and that's what helps to create a strong healthy local vibrant community for sure 100 i want to send the dear listener off with something practical that they can apply at least to get them moving forward uh, because all transformation that leads to future growth does begin with a very small simple step what's your recommendation here what's one small simple thing that they can do to move forward and make progress, not on their indirect lending journey, but on their community lending journey? Well, I think, man, just one thing, that's a hard question. You know, I'm such a technical guy that I always, I always say to banks, if if I, if I, there's one thing you're doing today and and you're doing it, you're so backwards, you need to stop. And that is, if you still, you're going to laugh, if you still make me email or fax you something, mm. you're way off the board. If, you're, if, you're, if your thoughts are email, call, or fax is the only way you can do anything with my bank, then there, you, you have not entered the digital revolution at all. And so I think that's kind of my, my first thing I always tell them is like, do you have any way to do anything? If I wanted to send you an appraisal that's 200 megs, how do I pull this off? Yep. And if you can't answer that question, you, you are on step zero. You know, that's a great point. What What is it going to take to shift, I would say, the mindset or the perspective of some of these community organizations? Because they have experienced some progress, but for some reason, and I think it's more human behavior than it is technological, it's like we fall back on what we know. We fall back on what is safe, and that comes through experience. How can people continuously transform their mindset to see beyond the present reality into a future that is very intangible. Um, because back to your point, if you're making me fax or email, very antiquated. There's a lot more ways to communicate and share documents to share information, but it comes down to perspective. What's your recommendation to help transform mindsets internally to make this future state a reality? Oh, that one's easy for me. I make our people do it all the time. The problem is it's easy sounding, but people don't like doing it. You eat your own dog food. 
if you work at your bank and you never open a checking account by your, on your own online banking plat, portal or in your branch, or you haven't had your board members do it, and I don't mean do it by, hey, email Cynthia because you're a board member. Right. I mean, come and like, come clue who you are and fill that out. That's the easiest one. If you don't use your own stuff, it, it gets real easy to to think it's okay, but you're, you're blind to it. Yes, and, and I'll add to that thought. Don't, don't just eat your own dog food. Go and try sample others and go to a neo bank go to a neo lender and open an account there when i work with organizations particularly at the board level or the c-suite i ask show of hands how many of you ever applied for a loan or a depository account a checking account a spending account because the idea of checking is now becoming even more antiquated at another organizations at a neo bank or neo lender and in reality, maybe 5% have. And, I, and I'm like, look, I can sit up here and tell you and show you all these different experiences, but until you go and experience that yourself, until you understand what it quote unquote feels like, and then compare and benchmark that to your current reality, it's very hard to get that sense of feeling and emotion. Doing that speaks volume show don't tell right yeah no absolutely it's funny my, my folks laughed at me but i bought a couch and financed it with synchrony they're like why'd you finance a couch i wanted the experience yes I wanted to see what it was like while we're building our stuff I, so I'm, I'm with you sample others too and i think that point you've mentioned this a few times on in our conversation experience and efficiency experience what is experience experience as we define it here at the digital growth institute or well-defined systems, processes that have been strategically mapped out, A, B, applied, and then C, this is the most important part of, of it all, continuously optimize based upon the knowledge, the data that we're gaining, the feedback that will result in either a positive or a negative emotion. So your example of, of getting a couch, financing that, Learning about the experience is a great takeaway for us all. Joe, this has been a wonderful conversation today. Thank you for your knowledge, for your wisdom around how all of us can optimize not just the indirect experience, but the community lending experience going forward to capture new growth opportunities that we may or may not be thinking about. What's the best way for someone to reach out, say hello, and continue the conversation we started here today, Joe? Absolutely. They can reach out. Our, our website's teslarsoftware.com. My email is simply joe at teslarsoftware.com. I check that myself. Feel free to email or call anyone at our team. We'd love to talk to anybody that's interested in what we're doing. Connect with Joe, learn with Joe, grow with Joe. Joe, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. This has been a lot of fun today, buddy. Thanks, James. Appreciate it, man. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, and make your bed. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. To get even more practical and proven insights along with coaching and guidance, visit digitalgrowth.com insider to join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs. Until next time, be well and do good.